0: Hey, my name's Eric Davidson and you're listening to the District Podcast. This episode is a special live edition recorded at the District Magazine Issue
1: 6 launch in The Workman's in association with Bullet Frontier Whiskey. On this episode, Craig Connolly catches up with Orchid from Give Us the Night, Sam Greenwood from The Building Society, and So Hot So Spicy from Trust discuss putting on parties in a city that's bleeding clubs rapidly beginning of this podcast
0: was cut a little short so uh goes in a bit late enjoy i i suppose the first i like the first clubs i remember going to were uh the pod and twisted pepper particularly like twisted pepper kind of probably was my first experience of clubs proper clubs and it was deadly back in the day because they used to do a lot of, like of like live stuff up, upstairs and they'd have a dj downstairs and it was like um yeah, that was, that was my first introduction. And it was just, yeah, it was an amazing, it was amazing buzz. I remember the last night there as well, particularly. That was like probably my most, I know this wasn't the question, but that was my most profound clubbing experience in Dublin. It was like everybody was smoking inside. It went till like five o'clock in the morning. And then it was like, everybody was hugging Sue at the end, being like, Sue. Yeah. If you haven't hooked to
1: you haven't lived. Uh, she's probably working the door of one of the body tonic venues if you yeah. want to go give her a hug Yeah, now. she's
0: still rent for hooks for sure, you know. <laughs> Definitely ask first, I'd say ask first, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Consent
1: is very important. Incredibly but, yeah. important.
0: Yeah, it was a different landscape. There was a lot more spaces. In terms of like, there was a lot more medium kind of sized club venues. That was like the big thing. And obviously with like Hangar going as well, that was like going. I'm And like, maybe I can move into the larger side of things, but there's a lot more medium spaces. And that's the one thing I think that we're really just totally lacking at the moment. Like obviously there is also a problem with small spaces. We can get into the logistics of that in terms of the actual law that it stands in the way of spaces like that opening up. But yeah, medium spaces, like there's none left really index is the only one.
1: And I suppose Sam, when Sam, I've known Sam for 10 years since he actually moved over from, uh, from the green valleys of Wales, actually via Cambridge.
2: It was via Cambridge. yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and at the time it was like smack bang in the middle of a recession but you still had venues like pod tripod twist pepper was newly opened um then other like the button factory was temple bar music center it might have just been called the button factory by then
2: yeah that was it was button factory my my first experience going out in dublin was when i made, moved in 2009 it was to uh to your your night actually you booked me to play at uh pod uh, for trainwreck and that was when it was all it was, at that time it was kicking it was lots of locals doing good parties
1: there was lots of methadrone as well there was no like real pills <laughs> uh so people went out to clubs and just didn't actually dance they just spoke about where they were going after the club so like we had a fucking terrible summer like i wanted to give up doing everything i was doing and then i met sam and i was like "God, oh, you know it's fine and then orange sonic pills came along and the rest is history um so <laughs> um I think going back to that time, it was like smack bang in the middle of the recession, but there was definitely, you didn't have, the super clubs were starting to wane. You had like the tripods were starting to, you know, it wasn't getting the attendance that was coming through. It was very much down to the small and medium venues that you were touching on there. Um, It sort of felt like that's the way, like Hangar and District 8 were thriving when they were closed, unfortunately, but... I think that the good thing that came out of that recession period was that people started throwing events in spaces that you wouldn't necessarily think to throw events in. So, well, there was for lots example, of
2: raves, for example.
1: There was a lot of raves. There was a lot, awful lot of raves. Like <laughs> I
0: played an afters and a chipper once. That was good.
1: Oh, on yeah. Dorset Street? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, unreal. That's good.
0: I yeah. uh, probably shouldn't name it for chipper, but there's not that many, is there?
1: It's, <laughs> it, it, it's actually sparkling clean during the day, I believe. A phenomenal fresh cod. Um But yeah, just to go back to the idea of of Dublin was, it it, it didn't have that sort of thriving, it very much felt like it was an afterthought in in terms of like big big acts would play here, but it would be far more seldom. Whereas now it's week in, week out, but yet the buildings are, the clubs are still getting levelled. And as I was saying earlier on, you... There is room, like say eight, nine years ago, when places like Tripod closed, the knock-on effect of that was that, you know, Pod and Crawdaddy closed as well. And then nights were moving around and it was very much in flux. And I think now today, and a very important thing is that there is places to dance. Fair enough, you don't have that 1500 capacity venue that's open week in, week out for you to go to, but there is that space to to sort of... um, to still be creative and still throw events. And is that something that you feel, I know you mentioned that we're missing that sort of medium-sized club, but do you feel that we're getting a nice bounce of more creative parties, more energy being put into the party? Um, Like,
0: I think it's, well, it does seem it's a lot harder to do that now. You know, like, now, I don't know, like I run a party with um my friends Koch and Enda called dip and we do gigs in jigsaw which is uh, where ddr the dublin digital radio it's a community radio station they have their kind of headquarters there and jigsaw it's a great kind of community space the byob venue it's like under threat of development like everywhere else but like you know over the years with our party we've always been looking we did gigs in like that indian restaurant on Mountjoy square that's now a really good mexican place called el grito by the way sorry just to give that <laughs> place love that place um, and we did, like, we did gigs at all, all sorts of different places over the years. And we, we, we like, we were always doing that. But nowadays, if we lost Jigsaw as a space, I really would be very scared at the prospects of our party because like, then it's just so difficult. Now, like, you do see there's, like, certain types of, like, afters that are still going and they seem to be getting a bit more legit, which is great to see. I think that, like, that culture is something that's desperately needed in the kind of the clubbing um, world in Ireland. But, like... <laughs> I think it is really difficult. The law is a big thing in terms of why we don't have legitimate spaces. So, like, I think that that's one of the biggest things with the Give Us Can I campaign that I got involved with because I didn't see those small venues. Like, the, you know, you have like Yukio and Izakaya that are open seven nights a week till three o'clock. But like, other than that, where else is playing dance music seven nights a week until three o'clock? And you need those places, particularly midweek, like Dublin Town. Is so dead on a midweek night, yeah. like, and that is insane for the amount of people who live in this city. And like for the idea that like there's so many students here as well, young people who want to go out mm-hmm. midweek. It's like there's so little to do. You literally have like two places that are playing, like, like, uh, like, and they're st- and they're tiny. You yeah. know what I mean? And they're also not built for purpose. No. A lot that has to do with the laws, basically. Anyway,
2: like there was once upon a time when you were doing club nights on every day of the week. Yeah. In every venue.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then they all closed, and yeah. then we had to move to like. The law. We went from say, the Button Factory to the Law Society. The Law Society is called Farrier and Draper now. It's like some shitty like pasta bar cocktail place. Yeah. But even before that, it was called the Law Society, and it was still this shitty cocktail bar. But because of the recession, no one could afford a cocktail, yeah. so they let us like <laughs> they let us bring a sound system in every Wednesday, and then just like let six hundred people go mental in it. And like I, that's why I feel that there is the hesitancy from venue owners to oh, be like I'm I'm getting thirteen euro for an espresso martini go and fuck off with your six-year-old bar so spend. That
0: is basically directly reflected in the law in that all, the only thing that we actually license for at night is late bars. So the like... The only way in which businesses can really make money is if they go that business model. And obviously the way in which this town is turning, that's turned into such a perspective. There's like, we're absolutely drowned in late bars. It's ridiculous how many late bars there are. And so many of them are throwing a DJ in the corner, but it's not a club setting at all. And it's no intention to be like a club. Their idea is that they want to get you in. They want to get you spending the most amount on alcohol. That's one of the things we're trying to focus on with the campaign. It's like the current system is only incentivizing alcohol sales for Mm -hmm. businesses. We're trying to say that there could be more like, you know, cultural entertainment options that are available to people going out at night that don't have to revolve around alcohol. OK, I understand that most people are going to clubs do drink. I don't understand it's tied up, but at least there's a, a focus that's actually away from that as well. That's cultural, in my opinion, that's completely lacking. So that's actually not even like we only literally there's only bar like late late licenses for bars. And then there's also theater licenses that a lot of these restaurants make use of that make their functioning as late bars easier as well. But there's no specific license for a music venue and there's no specific license for a club or a nightclub. So because of that, there's like no, there's like immediate discrimination in the law. Then you can get into the costs, which is also really crazy. We're, got, we're focusing on a little bit too much. Of the no, we'll of go back to
1: this though, definitely. But I think you touched on something there about the, this the long, model of the, <laughs> the model of the, say the bar spend, like say, so uh, I don't know what to call your actual name or your DJ name. What would you prefer? Do you My want to give away?
3: Chris so hot, so spicy. Uh,
1: no. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, It's Eva. So, okay, Eva. <laughs> All right, um, do you feel um, are there obstacles for you to overcome when approaching a venue as a younger, a younger person trying to throw parties? You know, because as as Robbie touched on, there is that sort of the model is based around drink sales. It's not based around volume of people in a club. That don't necessarily have that much money to spend. So do you find that it can be difficult to sort of get, get the go ahead?
3: Um, well, yeah, like we have approached um, like a venue before and it was like, you know, the cost of de- the deposit will go down depending on the spend on the bar. And with dance music, all that kind of stuff, there are drugs involved, there is less mm-hmm. spent on drink. And I think like as a new night as well, we're not established. They don't know like the numbers we're going to bring in, the like amount of spend on the bar as well. And also, like, the lack of venues as well. It's so hard to actually, like, not step on people's toes coming in as, yeah. like, a new night. So it's like, oh, so-and-so is always there. We can't go there. And there's, like, three places yeah. to choose from. So, yeah, like, as a new night. I don't. I, I was talking about a lot of things at once there.
1: No one makes <laughs> sense. Like, do you feel that um, amongst your sort of friend group and the people that you throw parties with, is the appetite still there to go out as often, even though in the space of, say, six months to a year does two and a half thousand capacity worth of venues just gone are, are, you st- are your friends still as interested in going out or is that starting to wane because you don't have the options that you used to have
3: I think um, people are still like hungry for like a new exciting like club experience um yeah like we we do have like a good following with rust in that like we don't call it a club night it is like a party we focus a lot on the experience rather than just you know going out and getting fucked every other night of the week you know we have a theme like dress up we you know want to bring in exciting acts but also establish ourselves as like exciting residents as well that people will want to come in and see every month
1: and do you think that um, that will help being seen as, because that term resident, it is it is a thing. It's almost reductive to call someone a resident. Whereas, say before, with District 8 and, and Hangar is very much based around you need a big act to fill the mm-hmm. space. Do you think that this could be a beneficial, this could be a positive of the fact that these big venues are closed and that it gives the local people a chance to actually shine and, and a chance to make their name the way that, You know, so many have come through the doors of Hangar and DA over the last few years.
3: Mm, Yeah, like it is true. Like you can't build a music scene in a city just based off um, international acts coming in. So like we, you know, Dublin has to have a good scene of its residents, the people who play the clubs, you know, every week, every month to actually draw in the crowds internationally as well as like for the people here too.
1: And Robbie, with Dip, that's definitely something that that's that's your sort of ethos.
0: Yeah, that's why we started. And uh, I do think that that's kind of like, yeah, there's always been. I think that struggle exists in every city in the world, you know, where it's like you want to kind of foster that local talent. But I do think, you know, there's so many examples now of people doing so, so well. And like with like, you know, look at the higher visions boiler room with like an all Irish lineup, that type of stuff where it's rammed the entire time. There's clearly a demand. And I just I like it's something that I've always just thought. It's a no brainer, you know, like I understand with bigger venues, but it's like, if you do actually invest that time in these Irish acts, like people are going to relate to them so much more. If they, if they see that DJ that's DJing at the weekend, they see them walking down the street during the week. It's like, it gives you a sense of connection to the person, to the, like the music that they're playing, that the sense of place that like, we have a community here, that there are a community of people here doing this. And I don't know, it just, I think, it. I think that is something that builds like a scene, you know, it's, it's not, as Aoife says, it's not going to be the international name. Like they're never going to actually like draw people to it long, long term. I, again, I totally understand the constraints that promoters can find themselves under, but if you're playing a long game, it has to be about local talent and it has to be about local people. So yeah, that's like, I think that's just core that's to it. That's
1: a very nice segue into Sam Green, who I think over the last, um I think over the last two years identified with Hanger that there was this sort of this... The ACT model does work to a certain degree, but you also do need to have the young guys coming through. So, Well, well a, lot, a lot of
2: the time with the international acts we were booking in Hangar, all the, the lads on support, I always thought were actually better than the, 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 the main acts. With all the money we were spending on these people, it was like, what's the point when these young lads are so talented? So in 2016, I made a conscious effort to just stop booking acts for Hangar for like the tail end of its time and just focus on young lads, young lads and girls, make the door entry affordable, Make the drinks not crazy, and just book these young headliners to, to, to to headline for the first time. Some of them hadn't played in clubs before. Some of them hadn't ever proper played to big numbers before. But off the back of that strategy and long ball process, it's we've got in like in the ten years I've been here, I think we've got the best crop of rising producers that i think the country's had like i, I could be wrong but
1: no i think you're right and i think in terms of hip-hop as well and, and other genres it, it's, it's apparent like you look at the likes of fontaines dc just mustard yeah uh, kojak mango does does tons not just the likes of Kedema, Tommy, uh, and certainly not
2: just just uh, like house and techno it's across the board but did
1: you feel like that you needed to uh, you need to put a lot of these and, and, and can you hear me or yeah sweet nice one
2: yeah, the, 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 tr- the, the trust was in still there. The,
1: the, <laughs> the, the, the trust was in just seeing their
2: talent and, and knowing that if the talent's there, and just being able to hype them up and believing in what what we have here, and it was uh, not, not to say it was a gamble, and we definitely had a few shows that didn't quite go as I wanted, but eventually it just it just caught on, and, and these young lads, it's like you just touched on it there. It's like who would you prefer to see doing well? Who would you prefer to see? Um, doing a boiler room, headlining big clubs. That's then you make you make from as well. school, you make from college. The person that works in the bar next year, yeah, it's, it's influential it's as for well. sure.
1: And I think um, like the floodgates are open. Uh, like like you've done a boiler room. I think the culmination of what you said that that conscious decision in 2016 to to nurture local talent was was vindicated last uh, a couple of weeks ago. at higher vision where it was an entirely Irish lineup with Tommy Kedema, Colleen Dart, George Feely, and L. Which I think when we were talking about the idea of actually a boiler room being a higher vision, we thought that they'd essentially tell us to fuck off and they want headliners, but they were so behind the idea because people, believe it or not, the people at boiler room actually, they care about nurturing scenes and they don't want to see the the likes of a Dublin boiler room can be filled with Dublin DJs. It doesn't need to have the, the headliners of the festival actually playing. So right. how, how was the experience of that actually a couple of weeks ago?
2: It was incredible. It was quite a, a proud moment because like three or four of the people from the ballroom had never played in a club before. Like Tommy Tuland he sent me a, a, a mix via YouTube in 2016 and he'd never DJed to, to anyone. And to nurture him from playing his first ever gig in Hangar to to being this this... Techno act on the cusp of amazing things is is isn't like an incredible uh, sort of thing to feel. Same with George and and our, all of them. It was, it was real special.
1: And do you think that that's going to be enough of a catalyst going forward? Even if we don't have the the big venues, that there will still be people that see Dart that see Colleen playing and, and nailing it. I,
2: I think they'll do fine. They they will. I think they will. They're ready on, on a cusp. They're they're playing out. It's it's the. I feel this is the golden generation that have that have benefited from. The, the clubs that we had in the last three three years, but without that, I, I think the next crop of uh, people we have just aren't going to ha- have that platform readily available for them. And
1: that's uh, so good. It's a really good point. And in terms of so Robbie, in terms of give us the night, um, the message has been quite clear from the offset. The support has been there. Um, how have you seen the last twelve months? Has it exceeded your expectations?
0: Yeah, like totally. So, like always, I have to say this, like. Um, I've only been involved with Gibson I for the last year and a half but Sunil uh, Sharp who obviously founded the campaign he's been working on this for like literally 14 years and I cannot like there is nobody I can give there's nobody I've ever seen in this scene who's got as much commitment and belief in like you know all of us than he does he's an amazing dude and I have to give him a shout out for that and he's like he's been the real workhorse behind that so I'm just the mouthpiece maybe but, a little uh, round of applause
1: yeah. for Sunil Sharp then <laughs> Yeah,
0: for, for real like, he's like uh, he's such a legit dude so um but yeah basically like we've it's amazing how like the one reassuring thing for me that the campaign has at least done is that it started um discourse about club culture in the kind of institutional cultural institutions that we have in the state so like amongst the arts council Um, like you know when we first reached out to the department of culture they said what's this got to do with us now we've met with the minister for culture and they've taken on our recommendations in a report that they're going to put out this month like so that type of stuff is cool that we were actually now talking to these people in a formal way and in a way which like you know we're like we're, we're framing this for what it is you know it's like the current system is insane it's archaic it doesn't fit it's not done like this anywhere else in the world it's not in the interest of anybody's safety just go out on the streets at three o'clock in the morning and look at all the people who don't want to go home yet. Like, you know, look at how the city is actually not equipped to deal with that situation. Like look how the guards are actually in favor of staggering closing times. Look how the taxi companies are in favor of staggering closing times. There's so many arguments for it. It's so pragmatic. So we put that to, to government many times. Politicians will say things and their actions will obviously speak far louder than their words. So we're just keeping at it, you know, like I think that it's up to all of us to keep like, be very patient and just keep this in your mind. Like this system is ridiculous and it shouldn't be like this. We actually don't need to be like dealing with night. Like it's just like crazy. I don't know if you know the specifics, but like there's no such thing as a late license. You have to get like a license every single night you open until half to cost you 410 euro per night. That's on top of your insurance that costs that are soaring like all these things, again, going just incentivizing people to, sell booze and not provide any other entertainments, just turning the city into a faceless place. And like, as you say, like, look at that rich, like vein of talent that was unearthed from hangar. And like, I remember those days when it was just like, I was like looking at him saying like, this is crazy. Every week it's Irish people playing like, you know, and like, and from that now there's a clear like result. And it's just, it's like, that is the thing is if you like allow some sort of fertile ground for people that, the amount of stuff that you can actually see is, is insane. And in terms of uh, in
1: terms of next steps, I know you said that there's a report coming out next month, but what are the, the next things that you want to achieve or you want to sort of to take off?
0: Well, uh, like, you know, you know, like Dublin City Council as part of their plan have adopted, have, have said that they are going to try and move to install the position of a nightmare, which would be Great, you know, that like you'd have somebody four so million. That, in a that's row. a mayor of the night.
1: Yeah, I've been to like loads of these talks, and everyone's like, "Why is he talking about a fucking nightmare?
0: Like, so the city council are gonna send us all asleep, <laughs> and they're gonna make us all have a very bad dream." No, uh, yeah, like night. I don't know. Yeah, we were thinking of other words that we could use. It doesn't really work in an Irish context. I understand. Yeah, night steward. I don't know. Maybe knight like it's a bit lame. Night but, za- like, but see, like night czar It's like what is it? Night like, too what, imperial. Like, too, yeah. yeah. Like, like uh, night, dude. <laughs> we were going to say, yeah, night. <laughs> I feel you need to be more gender neutral. Like, night, 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 like, oh, yeah, no, you can, can get really boring with it. Maybe an Irish, mayor, mayor, eheh. Oh, I love that. that yeah. That's really good. Cool. Yeah. You know, get, get the gale goers on side. Yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, like, that would be a great step. And, like, you know, like... You know, something I a point as well, like the, the petition for the shawl, that was an amazing thing for the campaign to have these kind, not like, a, not, that, that, that's a good thing in any way, but just this, to show politicians, 25,000 people signing a petition about a smoking area closing. Like, just put that in context. People also, love I, I'm like pretty <laughs> sure that, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that the petition for concrete didn't get as many signatures. Like there was a, um, there was a move in Sydney to try and pull their late, late times back to half one and uh, and there was a petition that got 10,000 signatures. And then that caused the local government in a Sydney, a city of 4 million people, to change their mind. It's like it's We're getting to a stage where it's like, this is obviously such a boiling point issue. There is so few creative spaces kind of left in the city and they're all getting squeezed out and we can all see what's happening. And it does seem to be very suspicious with the kind of veracity with which we're seeing the hotels and these kind of corporate entities just swarm the city. Um, like I think that this is gonna start rearing its head in in ways that are just more than related just to clubs. I think it's gonna start affecting so many other t- different types of the city than and the life in this city that it has to offer. But um, yeah. Sorry, in terms of what our next step is, <laughs> I don't know. Go to my room and cry. And um, no, I think that we just need to keep the pressure up and make sure that we actually get to something solid from from government like and we've we've offered them so many kind of pragmatic steps that they could take a nightmare uh, somebody or a night steward would be would be great if there was a person that there was actually in a legitimate role and they actually were had a design like they were designated to take care of this then you would imagine that some stuff could start being done but there's like, you know, again, there's there's a lot of different options at play. Like, you know, we could talk about staggering closing times, obviously, but we could also talk about, you know, in, in conversations with the Department of Culture, we've been talking a lot about opening up some of our, you know, uh, more kind of formalized institutions, places like maybe, I don't know, the Project Arts or the Abbey yeah. Theater or these kind of spaces that are there and sitting idle at night and util- utilizing them in some sort of late night capacity it could be a good way in which you could obviously draw a line between, you know, bars and theater spaces. But then you also don't want to forget our current clubbing inf- infrastructure as well. So there's a lot of boxes to be ticked. It, it really requires everybody here it like, to be keep the energy up. Keep talking about it. Keep talking to people who you don't think know as much about it. Talk about it like in, in terms that people can understand, people who don't understand clubbing. You know, these are social places. These are places where people go to make connections with other people. This is where ideas are formed. These are where friendships are made in a world where we're all so individualized and we're like so like lost in our own world with phones and all that sort of stuff and it's like so hard to find that connection between people that's what these things provide and they do it also particularly for people who are marginalized and don't have that space in their everyday life so like you know we have to be spe- speaking about the virtues of clubbing and the virtues of the club world that can make people who don't understand it i.e. the gargoyles who actually make the laws understand it and like and, and until we do that until we talk to them in terms that they can understand we, we won't get anywhere i actually think that we're like i think we're making strides in that direction but i think you know like all of us here can just go out and do that and talk to somebody you think like talk to your i don't know your parents or something and say like this is what this is important do you remember you used to maybe go to a session and there was somebody playing fiddle in the corner or you used to have like a good line dance but this is what that is now that's
1: it yeah Tommy so. Houlin playing an analogue set is the, is the bear on session of the 2019s. Yeah. Um, do you th- for the cynical among us, do you think it, it, it could purely just be seen as, as if it's financially viable and it makes money, it will work?
0: Yeah, I think it is financially viable. And like, that's something that we I like, like, you know, it's it, there's definitely a changing demographic of power in, in all institutions in Ireland at the moment, which means that there's younger people, like, you know, people in their 40s and in their 50s, they know what a club is now, you know what I mean? And that wasn't the case 10 years ago. And, like, some of the most dramatic changes to the laws came 10 years ago when, with, like, uh, Fianna Fáil put a load of things in. They brought the Sunday closing times back. They doubled the cost of the special exemption order to let you go late, all this type of stuff. So like that rot was set in 10 years ago. And then at the time, again, like there was venue owners who would be like, oh, well, I just want to get my place open. So there might be more kind of weirder, smaller places that were running club nights. Now that market has changed, there's more money in the city. And the cost, the immediate cost of starting a nightclub is just too intimidating. And people aren't going to take that risk. So is that why? Because I was thinking that um, in the time that I've actually
1: been going out in town and actually think about this as well yourselves, think of a venue that actually purposely opened that was never a venue before you know like we're not talking about the way traffic turned into twisted pepper or the way the Rife right venue is now jam park we're talking about like what when was the last time you saw a place just pop about the ground and say i'm a venue and i'm pretty sure the last time was when the Rife right venue opened in 2009 because if you think about say tram line was 21s and then play andrews lane turned into hangar the tivoli was d- d8 yeah. it's actually really depressing but uh So we'll probably move on, but, (laughs) um, yeah, give us some good news and what's up.
0: Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm kind of like, I go through phases myself, you know, some days I'm really kind of like super down and sometimes I'm super hopeful and I, I don't know. There's a sense of inevitability about this. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like I I am really buoyed by the fact that, you know, people in the arts council know, like. Like through that Department of Culture thing, I got to sit down and talk to the head of the National Concert Hall about techno. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, it's in, it's like those, it, it's really, I know that's stupid, but like, it's also really important to talk to that lad about techno. Do you know what I mean? Because he, like, he's a very powerful person in the arts world and and, in, and and like the one thing that you can always say to these people about our thing is that it's completely self-efficient you've never given us any funding anyway we've we've just been doing it and now it's actually still it's like very clearly a financially viable thing so it's like for me, with, especially with art spaces and stuff, I see it like as, a, as an inevitable step. You know, t- people aren't funding these places. They're not getting the support they need infrastructurally. Why not offer them a way in which they can make money and also like, you know, provide a, a space for not only marginalized communities, but also people like who are, you know, budding artists and like to go and hone their craft. And um, so I don't know. I, I do think there's an, it, it's going to require constant effort, you know what I mean? But for me, it was like, I want to do this full time. I want to work as a musician. And I want to live in my city. And the only way in which I can do that is by trying to change the law. <laughs> Sorry, this sounds like a real pitch for steps. a bad movie. <laughs> the only way I can do it is to change the law. So anyway, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to keep on at it. But I think that it's like, I, I think it's just like, I don't know. I think it's going to happen. It has to happen. It's like, it's just, it's, the system is so crazy. Like it's it like, if read our mandate, it's just mad. And I think, um, one of the most heartening things to see is
1: to see like the next generation come true like yourself, Eva, where you're putting on parties that aren't just, hey, it's going to be house and disco and it's like could be six quid in maybe it's seven I don't know but you're actually trying to do stuff that's actually different and it's exciting and it reminds me of like I sound ancient saying this but like mm-hmm. when I started off and you just want to put 100 people in a room and DJ badly in front of them I'm not saying that you DJ badly I'm saying Thank I you. definitely DJ badly but um <laughs> is, do you still have that excitement like is there still with all these venues closing and literally being demolished around is there still that excitement as a promoter and a party trower to tr- put on these events for your friends and peer groups?
3: Yeah, like, I think with the music that we play, it's stuff that people might not have necessarily heard before. Like, you know, Jersey Club, Vogue House, um, Footwork Duke, um, all that sort of stuff. And, like, we just, yeah, like, we just want to bring something new and exciting for people to listen to, and maybe it'll become their new favourite genre, their new favourite song and stuff. Was well, um, that
1: a conscious decision to to sort of veer away from, because we're talking about, like, Hanger and District A very good venues but they were saturated with house and techno so was that were you cognizant of that when you were starting a night
3: kind of yeah like um with the music that i listened to and like dj myself um i'd never really heard it anywhere and i just thought it was something like cool that like maybe other people would like too and then I like, showed it to um, like Daniel and Ethan, who also run Trust with me, as well as others here. And nice. um, it was it was like, yeah, like that's that shit we do like, and I think other people will like it too. So let's bring it to like the wider population, and I think it has worked.
1: I, I literally just how long I've been talking for so apologies thanks for your patience um, <laughs> I think that, that this is quite a nice segue into um, despite how difficult things have been and the fact that it's not where well, it's not an ideal city to throw parties in there's a lot of red tape to get behind uh, or get beyond what is the most satisfying thing or, or event you've ever thrown or been a part of?
3: <laughs> it probably was like the very first thrust event that we did because it was literally just like we were in like my kitchen at my house and we were like hey this is new music we've not heard before why don't we just like try throw a party and then like we booked the hub and it was like nearly sold out it was just like promotion that we'd done ourselves, artwork done by the artists that are in thrust, like going out into the street, like printing our flyers, going out, like trying to convince people to come and like, we nearly like sold it out and it was like, yeah, this is something that people do want, um, like in Dublin, just like... a, a artistic i don't know that's really pretentious just like <laughs> um just yeah like a night that's focused on like expressing yourself through like music and fashion uh, like dancing makeup all that stuff
1: is uh, sorry i'll move on to your lads very quickly but is it really important for you to provide a, a comfortable and safe space that for people actually dancing
3: yeah like, i do love that like if i can provide a place like all of us can provide a place where you feel like inclusive. You can express yourself in a way that you can't in any other club. Like, I love that. Like, please come and do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And for you, uh, Robbie, what's the, um, I suppose. Yeah. Like the, the jigsaw parties, um, have been really special. Like they're like, there's no, it's just a real nice, you know, uh, buzz. There's no security. It's just people who run the party. It's a very open atmosphere. Um, and it's just a kitchen basically and it's like you DJ out of a kitchen and we, we've introduced maybe the first party in which we introduced smoke machines to that place nice. which was great like uh, it just kind of skewed the perspective I don't know it's like it's just a night like for me that place like particularly with what DDR are doing there Dublin Digital Radio if you're not locked in, get locked. It's an amazing community radio station. I think if I just had, got a new show yeah, on it. On there on Tuesday,
3: play nice. What That's time? the name of it, uh, Seven to eight on Tuesday. There the you go. 16th. Lock
0: in. There you go. And uh, <laughs> I'm on a few, every few weeks on a Saturday from four to six. And like, it's, and there's so many like, there's so many wonderful uh, musicians and DJs who have shows on it. But they do their parties there as well. And like, in like it's it's just a good space. So like, if you ever hear about those parties, they can't actually advertise about them just for for fear of them getting shut down. If like, that's if you, how good if, they are. If, if you if you <laughs> want it, like, listen, just add me on Facebook or something, and like tell me <laughs> you want to come to the parties, and I'll shoot you an invite. There's no like, there's no closed door policy. It's a very open space. But those parties, yeah, but it's just it's a it's a place where everybody kind of just gets into it. It's like it's very much about just getting into the music. It's about dancing. It's not about. It's kind of it can be it, it can be kind of harder to like smoke cigarettes than it is to dance and i kind of often like that if a smoking area is less appealing than the dance floor that's kind of my ideal venue yeah sorry uh if that, for any of the smokers out there but it's like i want you, i want people to be listening to music and dancing at the party so yeah those that place is definitely i can't pick one it's like trying to pick your children
1: no the whole idea of it is is the one
0: yeah yeah, yeah. sam
2: i can pick a pick a favorite honest, nice, i think I think seeing Evan Campbell, Ketima, go from being a young producer and playing into playing in Hangar a few times and then actually going to District 8 and selling out in within, I don't know, four hours, for me is probably one of my favourite things to happen. To see a young kid just go to that level would, would be my favourite.
1: That's a good one. Yeah. Nicely rounded answers. Um, I'm going to wrap up now. So just to surmise, if you're actually thinking about starting a night, just go to any venue or restaurant that is on its bollocks yeah. and say... <laughs> What's the story? You're empty. Can I bring a sound system in? Don't charge me rent because you're real empty. Play it against them. Get free food off them. It's probably shite if they're on their knees. And then you'll be up here next year. All right? All the best. Bye.